uh, the other thing I would say is that the scripture does tend to favor whoever the minority is in the situation. And so my default is going to always be like, hey, who is the minority in this space? Mm. And and, and kind of what, what is God saying through that lens? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there is a space for privileged people. There is a space for white people in multiculturalism. Um, but if you look at the way Jesus decided to come on the earth, he didn't decide to come as a Roman citizen. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Today, we're going to be talking to David Bailey. Um, but just a reminder, uh, the Sit Up podcast stands for sports, innovation, theology, something we call in the ugly, which is un- injustice. And then we're doing this through public discourse. And uh, you all know, if you've heard me talk about public discourse, it's it's lost in our society. And what we're trying to do is say, hey. You can come on here and tell us the reasons for why you do or believe what you can, what you believe instead of arguing against somebody, just why you believe what you believe in, why you do what you do. And, uh, and we can work that through. So trying to do that today with David Bailey and, uh, David is a public speaker, a writer, theologian. Uh, he's uh, executive director and founder of Arabon. Uh, he's also, uh, uh, a created uh, Urban Doxology, um, and Urban Doxology is an incredible um, worship uh, uh, community, I would say, of folks who come together uh, and put together uh, worship in a liturgical way. And I really like uh, how they think through that, how they write their own music, they write their own songs. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I'm a big fan. It, like, Urban Doxology, those are my peeps. I want to give them a shout out. But David also does some work. He's from Virginia. He lives and serves in the community um, and goes to church in Virginia. And is involved in a lot of multicultural space. I say that because, you know, we're talking a lot now about multicultural churches and um, church planting and who's planting churches and what does all that mean? And, and David has done a lot of work um, in this area of multiculturalism um, and what that looks like through worship, what that looks like practically at the church where he's an elder, uh, what that looks like in a community um, that gentrified, right? And gentrifying, what that looks like around leadership in those spaces. Um, he's done He's done a lot of work and I'm going to let him talk about his work, but I wanted to, I wanted to introduce him well and then brag on a little bit about, about what he's doing. So David, um, I mean, you can, you can start where you want. I got a whole lot of questions, but, um, start where you want, but I, I want to hear a little bit about, um, your philosophy around multiculturalism. What does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, man. Well, well. First, thanks for having me, man. It's glad glad to be here with you always. Um, so, um, you know, man, that's a really interesting question. We talk talk about multiculturalism. Um, you know, part of what I part of what I've been thinking about is, you know, how it depends on where our studying starting point is. Mm-hmm. Are we coming from a place where we're saying that like what's normative? is kind of a Eurocentric 
um, space? Mm-hmm. Or are we saying what's normative that all people are made in the image of God mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. reflect mm-hmm. some of it, some of God's lightness and uh, uh, the unity and diversity that we mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. in Genesis mm-hmm. uh, one, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And so um, to me, I think actually multiculturalism uh, should be normative. Mm. It should be the thing of which we, we, the lens in which we look through because um, none of us have a corner on uh, who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. None of us have a corner on um, uh, understanding the fullness of um, what it means to be human. And there's something that we all need to learn mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, from how God's locked uh, God's image in, in all of us. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a really uh, key part. And, and I mean that across like economic lines, cultural lines, racial, ethnic, education, all of those mm-hmm, type of things. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. so that's a, a significant lens in which we're looking through right, as right, we right. do the kind of work that, that we do. So I like what you said. You said, instead of starting from white centeredness, you start from a place where everybody is shaped in the image of God. Yes. Yeah. Very important. Um, So, so how does that play out in your work? I know you've done songwriting. I know you're a musician. Uh, Tell me how that plays out in that space. Well, you know, it's like I used to be a musician. I say, I mean, (laughs) I got, you know, I got a degree in music. um, But, you know, here's the thing. I worked for many years as a music producer and a music director. And pretty much when you're a music producer, you're a cultural anthropologist. Mm. Like mm-hmm. what makes somebody dance on Friday night at the country club and what makes people dance at the Black Pentecostal Church, what makes people groove at the um, the nightclub. Mm-hmm. It's all cultural anthropology and it's not mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. thing. And I often say like when I'm playing at the Presbyterian Church, what gets the Presbyterian to sway mm-hmm. is all like cultural anthropology, <laughs> right? And so... What you got to do is you got to figure out like, hey, what is that thing that moves somebody's soul? Uh, um, what is that thing that make, is making that human connection? Well, I realize oftentimes in churches, we just say, hey, we're going to be about our mission. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're just going to like mm-hmm. preach the word. And none of us are culturally neutral. Mm-hmm. Like we're all are bringing something into this mm-hmm. context. And so, you know, I brought that producer mindset. Uh, with me um, in the local church, mm-hmm. you know, and here we were about 12 years ago, we started this uh, church where, where it was like a 95% black neighborhood and our church was like 97% white, you know, mm. really inspired by Dr. Perkins, huh. Huh. Uh, really committed to being doing racial reconciliation, uh, really committed to, to uh, not just ministering to the poor, but with poor brothers and sisters. And I realized that the people of color that were, that were a part of the church mm-hmm. were people that were significant anomalies to their own cultural uh, context, wow. you know? And so I said, man, you know, part of, there were the three things that I saw was a significant problem. Mm-hmm. One problem was we were just part of a system where there's a system that raises up um, white males that know how to like mm-hmm. uh, um, navigate in these spaces. And then you got white women that know how to navigate in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And these, this is what the systems were created for. Uh-huh. And it's not even like a conscious racist thing. It just is what it is because of our history. Right, right, right. So I realized that we needed a system to actually raise up leaders of color or recognize leaders of color mm-hmm. in these spaces. So the second thing I realized was we were negotiating like songs and negotiating mm-hmm. like, you know, how many gospel songs we do or how many mm-hmm. uh, uh, hymns we do or how many contemporary songs mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that wasn't ministering to our urban church context. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter wasn't a hashtag mm-hmm. like 12 years ago, but I realized that that pastoral concern 
wasn't anything that was being discussed that we couldn't see in our, our liturgy and our songs that we were singing and what we prayed. Yeah. And then the third thing I saw was it just wasn't a place where a poor person and a wealthy person, a a white and a, a person of color could actually come together in mutuality hmm. and, and and create something together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you've raised money to mm-hmm, be part of mm-hmm. this neighborhood and then you're like the poor person that's like, you're on the receiving end. Uh-huh, uh-huh, but uh-huh. but I'm like, everybody has limitations and everybody has gifts. And so I, I realized that we had all these different needs. We had needs both in our worship, we had needs in our leadership development, we had needs in kind of creating a space where people could be both uh, um, um, dependent, independent, and interdependent. Mm-hmm. And all of that had me say like, hey, let's create this urban doxology songwriting internship where nice. we would get young people between, age, between the ages of 18 to 25. Mm-hmm. And instead of, uh, so we would, we would teach them theology, justice, reconciliation, urban context, um, uh, uh, worship, songwriting. And instead of writing papers, what folks would do is they would write songs and that would mm-hmm. become the songs mm-hmm. that we sing in our congregation. Wow. And so then we started producing records out that and the band mm-hmm. evolved mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you, if you want to make a change in the world, you, you just got to create culture. You, like, you have to create right, the kind of culture right. that you want to see. And so that's what got me into this. And mm-hmm, and, and what's been one of the most, it's, it's what, we've raised the most leaders um, of color and committed people, even the white people that have come through our program are some of the most committed leaders in our community. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also the thing where it's one of the few things in our community that everybody feels ownership over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't feel like a white thing it doesn't feel like a black thing everybody feels ownership of this particular thing it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a educated people's thing or poor people's thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it feels mm-hmm. like everybody has their own ownership in that huh so so my thing you know we're talking innovation here yeah. basically right so uh innovation happens at the intersection of difference, mm-hmm. right? That when you bring those when you bring those things together, then you're able to innovate. So it sounds like what you're doing is bringing together different kinds of people from different places, setting the table for innovation to happen. Mm-hmm. And that comes through your songwriting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, it comes through, I mean, I would say there is a significant part of songs like a music and art there's mm-hmm. a significant aspect of it there's a significant aspect of the formational aspect of what's happening us in, in worship but even if you traded that out with like making cars or building a house or mm-hmm. knitting or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be mm-hmm. the magic of what we're doing is is bringing people of difference together give them a clear mission of what to do uh, giving folks tools on how to like work through the hard stuff and not kill each other in the process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, creating a safe space for people of color mm-hmm. as, and, but also coaching white people and knowing how to, to not have a, not, not take up too much space, mm-hmm, but just mm-hmm. like know how to just be amongst folks. And, and that is the thing that the reason why for, uh, eight summers, we're going into our ninth summer of doing mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is like the thing that creates the beauty, you know? And then, and I think that's the piece where any, church in any community any Christian community shouldn't have some type of environment of that whether it's songwriting or not it doesn't really matter for songwriting there is something special in that but I think that environment is something that should Mm -hmm. be true of any community Mm -hmm. so
you know, um, a big part of my work now is, is with United Methodist um, and working in the space of innovation. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the one of the things that you're what, one of the things you're talking about here is what comes out of bringing different people and things together. How 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 then does culture play into that? Like you 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 mentioned shaping culture. Tell me yeah. tell me how you see those two things working together. Well, I mean, culture is like um, what I've heard somebody say like this way. Culture is how we make sense of the world and what we make of the world. Mm-hmm. The type of um, materials that God has given us and what do we do to make of that. And so um, it's just important to understand that, that we all are bringing a culture to the conversation. We, 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 we have gone through the world thinking, hey, this is what makes sense to me up until this point. Um, we have taken the things that God has given us, the materials, the things that we've inherited, mm-hmm. and we have made something of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just important to realize that that's not that's not the standard or the normative thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just the normative mm-hmm. for us and the people that are quote unquote like right, us. Right. That also has its gifts and it has its limits, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't have to be the Michael Jordan of everything. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have to, like, <laughs> like I know I have limitations, you uh, know, as uh, an individual and um, as a community or as a people, whatever, however I'm being represented, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. gifts and there's limitations mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever we kind of come into a place together, it's real important for us to understand to be aware of what our gifts, what our limitations, and the opportunities that happens when we we collaborate in mutuality together to create um, um, what does not exist, you know. All right, man, that's that's good. So so, how do you do this work in diverse space, right? Yeah. So say you're talking about you know systems for leaders of color, mm-hmm. talking about innovation, bringing people together for different ideas, but a lot of this. Is going to be new for, you know, majority culture and congregations um, that are, you know, for white congregations. Like, is there a way you approach that differently or like how how does that happen? Like what what's the entry point? I mean, so I mean, what oftentimes kind of pays the bills. I mean, you know, we've you know, what pays the bills oftentimes helping majority culture communities Mm -hmm. figure out how to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and 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 a lot of times what has to happen is is that if if you just kind of use I'll just talk about me as a man, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm part of majority culture and in, in, in my maleness. Right. And I don't have to I don't have to think about the kind of space I take out, mm-hmm. you know, as a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and there's like a, a petite woman that's around, you know. Um a lot of times like petite women are oftentimes uh, more conscious of how space is being worked on because True. folks are taking up space in between like guys like me, bigger mm-hmm. guys are like me are mm-hmm. just taking up so much space. And so then when somebody points that out to me, what I have to learn how to do as person, part of majority culture in this particular context as it relates to gender, I have to think, Oh, well, I, one, I don't need to be offended when somebody points that out to me that mm-hmm. they, you take up a lot of space, you know, mm-hmm. um, can you be considerate of me? And then I, I become more aware, you know, and I just say, hey, how am I doing with this? And and then we can to grow on that, you mm-hmm. know, and then I also can lean in to figure out, hey, you're talking about space, but there are there other ways that I am engaging in mm-hmm. this way. And, mm-hmm. and what does it look like for us to like tr- truly create a collaborative experience? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a really important thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and um, as a 
black uh, person, I have more experience in learning how to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. So then when I bring that consciousness in to the gender conversation, right. then it's like I have some tools that I can work with. Mm. But oftentimes mm-hmm. in, in, in um, a lot of white spaces, folks haven't had the ability to be able to, like the, the gift of being a minority, to have to think through these right. things. Right. And so it could be kind of exhausting. Mm-hmm. It could be, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they can oftentimes opt, choose to opt out. So, I mean, I just think be committed to the process and realize it is a process of learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's what's key to being a Christian, right? Yeah. Being a Christian yeah. means that you got to be do confession. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, it's, a, it's a constant mm-hmm. practice of confession and repentance, mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness and renewal. Like, you know, and that's that's oh. what it means to be Christian. So I can hear some of, I can hear voices in my head saying, right, like, well, it's not it's not the woman's job. To, for me to get myself together as a man, right? Yeah. And I hear people saying, well, it's not my work to always have to be in a space where I'm I'm waiting or I'm patient or I'm sitting back for white folks to get themselves together and they want to process it through. Yeah. And for me to wait, you know, while that's happening. Yeah. What's your like what's your thought behind some of that? I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't want to communicate that a minority needs to take on a new job, mm-hmm. you know, uh, while at the same time, I mean, we're in this together. Like we can't give up on each other even, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think particularly for me as a person, you know, um, so just continuing the metaphor of the gender dynamic, um, there have been women that has, my wife is one of them, but you know, there are women that have say, Hey, they'd be like, take up space or, or mm-hmm. you might talk over top of me or you mm-hmm. do these type of things. First of all, I just need to like not be defensive when that happens. Mm-hmm, you know, when mm-hmm, somebody says mm-hmm. that. The second thing is I need to learn. Like I need to just yeah, take up yeah, some yeah, like yeah. like and I can read a book, you know, and I, I can't remember who I got this from, but you know, there there's one way to say, like, all right, well, sister, can you teach me everything that I need to know about women? <laughs> or what I could mm-hmm. do is I could do some research on myself. Right. And then be right. like, hey, I've been reading bell hooks mm-hmm, or you know mm-hmm, I've been mm-hmm. you know studying this or whatever the case may be and say mm-hmm. like um, hey does this resonate to be true and I'm doing some work in that space I'm doing my own work and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and to have that conversation and I could say hey Leroy like mm-hmm. you know what's your journey been like you know as a man and discovering right, right, in this right. space and so I mean I think I think that's the type of stuff that is really important for us to mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, I I I think that I think that's a good understanding. So, um, I think you know. Last question: Like, what do you like? What do you say to all of this? You know, there's people that don't believe in multicultural church, right? Mm-hmm. They don't. They they see it as still centered in whiteness. Yeah. Um, you're 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 coming at it from a different way that's putting a, a different um, uh, conversation on the table. Uh, what do you say to people who are skeptical about multicultural engagement, multicultural churches, all these kinds of things? Cause they don't, they don't, they don't see those as working or have worked. Yeah. Um, and some people would go as far as to say, I don't, I, I think if you are going to do this, that people of color need to lead. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so there's a lot in that question, but well, man, I mean, I think we're we're in a really unique opportunity 
uh, just in our history and where mm-hmm. we are in our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you think 50 years ago, uh, I mean, I, like literally somebody my age could not be an equal with a, 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 a white person. Mm-hmm. And now I walk in relatively, I mean, I can definitely be an equal, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I am an equal, but I could be perceived as an equal or even an expert in a space mm-hmm. that, I mean, very few black people 50 years ago could have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, the demographics of our country are changing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just think just survival institutional wise, mm-hmm. like we just, there's a pragmatism that has to happen, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, both for minorities and for uh, majority culture. You know, and so I just think there's a there's a level of pragmatism that's there. Now, here's the thing. I would say over the last 20 something years, a lot of the multicultural efforts or the quote unquote reconciliation efforts has really has been centered on what oftentimes call kind of white atonement where folks are, like white people are feeling guilty about issues of race. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they want to do diversity kind of as reconciliation. But mm-hmm. Diversity isn't reconciliation. <laughs> like acknowledging the brokenness and doing mm-hmm, something about mm-hmm, it is the work mm-hmm. of reconciliation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, diversity is just bringing different people together gotcha. uh, with yeah, different yeah. like yeah, space, yeah. you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I think you actually got to do both. And, mm-hmm, and justice mm-hmm. is in the mix and all, all of that kind mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I but I think like 20, like learning something in 20, 25 years, that's just just getting something started, right, you know. Right, like right, right. we got to have a long view. It's, it's been centuries mm-hmm. of of white supremacy that's right. been legalized and economically uh, uh, working with. Where not only what I'm saying, like white supremacy, meaning that white culture and white people are superior than any other culture, but our, our laws were um, designed off of that. Mm-hmm. Our economy was designed off mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. um, and it just only came 50 years ago illegal. Right. For that to, to be a law on the book, and so that so there's a lot of culture that has been shaped. Mm-hmm, so it's going to mm-hmm. take some time for us to mm-hmm, to do mm-hmm, something about mm-hmm, that, you know, mm-hmm. and then to reverse that. And so I do think um, what's great about the church is, is that we have um, the spirit of God, you know, like we got the scriptures, we got like we, God's on our side in this way, and I think we can, or, or I would say, God is on this side. We can align with God on that side, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. and um, and kind of moving towards that direction. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, the other thing I would say is that the scripture does tend to favor whoever the minority is in the situation. And so my default is going to always be like, hey, who is the minority in this space? Mm-hmm. And, and and kind of what what is God saying through that lens? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, now, there is a space for privileged people. There is a space for white people in multiculturalism. Um, but if you look at the way Jesus decided to come on the earth, he didn't decide to come as a Roman citizen. I mean, if you see the kind of people mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Jesus decided to work through his disciples, they weren't the Pharisees and the Sadducees mm-hmm. and the religious elites, <laughs> you know? And so, but there was a place for Nicodemus. There was mm-hmm. a place for, um, uh, Joseph, uh, the, the guy, the guy that gave the, um, uh, to his tomb up of Arimatheus and, um, and, you know, it, it was a place for um, Herod's daughter, you know, and and um, and just and, and Lydia and just and there is a place for privileged people mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God, but it's not centered in that way. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think the spirit will kind of help and lead and show us where we need to go. 
Cool. Well, you 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 closed with a flurry there, and but uh, we're gonna leave that there and let folks let folks uh, wrestle with a little bit of theology throughout throughout at the end. Yeah. And we want to thank David Bailey for being with us. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Our conference coming up in May. Stay tuned and listen for that. The first weekend in May, the Voices Conference will gather. We are connecting with a lot of other stuff, great stuff that's going to be happening. So stay tuned. And remember, you can reach us at Sit Up Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can connect uh, with my Twitter uh, at Leroy Barber or on my Facebook account, same at Leroy Barber. We uh, would love for you to share the podcast so we can get the word out a little bit about Sit Up. And Shoot us back some 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 stuff if you if you have liked what you heard, even if you disagree with what you heard. We we want public discourse, so send us that stuff, and maybe we can try to get you on sometime to give give some response to what you what you've heard a little bit here on the Sit Up Podcast. Leroy Barber, thanks, folks. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.